Good evening, church. Tonight I want to present a lesson. Hopefully I can do this uh, well. Um, we'll need a couple of weeks. We'll look at skunk tonight, and we'll try to use the, the actual skunk and, and uh, use that as a personality. And, and then we'll move on to turtles and, and explore that as a personality. So bear with me and help me along the way here. It is great to see you here tonight, both members and visitors alike. We uh, praise God for your attendance, and we're just thankful you're here. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you, and we thank you, and we ask everything that we will ever ask, if it's according to your will. Because if it's not your will, Lord God, every Christian should, should say, we don't want it to happen. We just want your will to be done. And we ask, Lord God, that you will bless us through this week, that we will live for you and honor you and glorify your name. And we pray that your will will be done. We ask you'll bless us tonight as we worship you, that praying that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We thank you for Jesus, your great son, who died on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary that we might live. Thank you so very much for loving us that much that heaven would come down and you would save us. These things we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Nature teaches us so many things. and Without, without nature, we wouldn't have the technology that we enjoy today. Um, we, we learn from nature. We learn about personalities and, and personality clashes. We learn from nature that uh, as humans, we have to learn how to get along. We learn from nature that we must all respect one another. We also learn things like skunks and turtles get along just fine. But skunks and skunks don't really do as well together. And, and then we learn from nature that turtles and turtles get along just fine, but they don't get anything done. Right? They move too slow. Maybe that's not true. But anyway, skunks tonight, um, by way of an attitude. So the striped skunk, you know, it can spray about, about 15 feet. Anything, anytime it feels threatened or, or, or has an enemy around it, it's going to spray. And when it sprays, um, the skunk doesn't really think about other people. <laughs> okay? Um, they just spray. And so that attitude in life, that's like a skunk, isn't really a good one. We might even say that kind of stinks, right? Skunks have that look about them that says, I'm not to be bothered. Like, leave me alone. See a skunk, you just, I mean, I mean, I see it all the time. You know, people see a skunk and the reaction is, oh, we kind of get away. Kind of because we know what they are capable of, but they just have that, that attitude about them. And, and maybe sometimes you've, You've seen this, and maybe it's, maybe it's been you, where you walk through the doors of the church building with that kind of attitude, right? Maybe it's a tough week, a tough day, whatever it may be, but I've seen it, and maybe I've done it. It's that attitude of, I'm not to be bothered. It's the same attitude that, that Cain, in Genesis 4, displayed to God. And why did he do that? Well, because he was guilty, right, of a, of a grave sin, and in Genesis 4 and verse 9, the Lord 
said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And that, that attitude that he displayed, it, it wasn't, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? It was, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, it was an attitude because of his guilt that he displayed an attitude towards God himself. And sometimes it's because of our guilt of sin and maybe our guilt of, I don't know, conflict or whatever it may be, that we find ourselves with that condescending, stinky attitude that shows little mercy to others. Now, now think for just a moment, Revelation 12 is kind of like Satan's attitude. Satan's attitude stinks, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Revelation 12 gives us information about that kind of attitude. And when Satan sprays people, if he were a skunk, he would spray everyone and he wouldn't care how you felt about it. Revelation 12 and verse 12, that's exactly what he does to us. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Like Abel, what have we done to Satan? I mean, except love God, but he hates all of us. And he has a very stinky, and terrible attitude towards each of us. When threatened, danger and fear, concern, skunks, they spray everything around them. But, but unlike Satan, I'm going to 1 Samuel 22 to use an example. Unlike Satan... A skunk's attitude of, of anger or, 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 you know, fear or whatever it may be is short-lived because when they spray everyone, when they're finished, they just waddle away like nothing happened, right? They just waddle away like, you know, everything's good, everything's peachy, everything's fine. But what that skunk forgets, that skunk forgets the pain that it just caused. That skunk forgets the pain that it caused for the innocent, it forgets the pain that it caused for everyone around them. Saul had a skunky attitude. I'm going to look at Saul's pursuit with David in one particular episode. In 1 Samuel 22, in verse 11, follow this account of Saul, and then let's look at Saul's attitude. Then the king sent someone, verse 11, to summon Abimelech, the priest, the son of Ahiatub, in all the father's households, the priests who were in Nob, and all of them to the king. And Saul said, listen now, son of Ahiatub. And he answered, here I am, my lord. And Saul said to him, why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me, in that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise up against me by lying in ambush, as it is this day? Now, the reality is David never, ever did that, right? He, he just kept saying, come on, king, I'm, I'm on your team, right? Then Himelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David, even the king's son-in-law, who is captain over your guard and is honored in your house? Did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? Far be it from me. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the household of my father. For your servants know nothing at all of this whole affair. David's attitude, I mean Saul's attitude, 
in verse 18. Then the king said to Doeg, you turn around and attack the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned around and attacked the priest. And he killed that day 85 men who wore the linen effort. 85 men were slaughtered. That's 85 fathers, 85 grandfathers. He affected families for a lifetime because of his bad attitude against David. His attitude was a terrible attitude. He only thought about himself. And he didn't stop there. In verse 19, he just kept killing. And he struck Nob, the city of priests, with the edge of the sword, both men and women and children and infants, and also oxen, donkeys, and sheep. He struck with the edge of the sword. When would his madness ever end, right? And then you continue to read along, and he, he gets to another place, Pursuing David still, it gets to Keilah. And he gets there, and I want you to listen to him all of a sudden play the victim's role. And I'm just going to grab verse 21. He gets there, and they're willing to turn David over to him. He's so happy. And he says to them in verse 21, And Saul said, May you be blessed of the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. A murderer? No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm, just a, I'm just a nice guy. Right? Didn't you just slaughter an entire city and 85 priests, fathers and grandfathers and, and donkeys and animals, and you just are a man of bloodshed. But he's like, oh, thanks for having compassion on me. He waddles away like he did nothing wrong. And that was the life of Saul in his pursuit, in his madness against an innocent man. And he didn't care about who he slaughtered. He didn't care about, about the families that were suffering. He didn't care about anything that happened to anyone. The only person he cares about is himself. Proverbs chapter 18. See, this is what happens, church. When, when a person is sprayed by a skunk, they're left angry, they're left smelly, they're left Now think about us for just a moment. We ought to be careful of how we handle our anger. Because that's the last thing we want, right? We want someone that's innocent or even guilty to leave angry, smelly, and hurt because we had no control over our anger. In Proverbs 18 and verse 19, this is what happens to even some of our brethren. A brother offended... It's harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Like we're in phase one and we're trying to win brethren back. And I don't know the circumstances for which they left. And it doesn't really matter. But I sure wouldn't want to be the one that sprayed the innocent and caused them to never come back to worship the Lord. I know we could say, well, you know, they made their choice. And I get it. They did. But I would hate to be the reason, wouldn't you? And God says something like, you know, be careful that we not cause one of these little ones to stumble. God cares about that. In Proverbs chapter 15, we must control our anger. We need to step back for just a moment, take a look at our situation, and ask ourselves, how can I make peace? Proverbs 15, and the verse is 18. The Bible says, A hot-tempered man steers up strife, but the slow to anger pacifies contentions. 
the hot-tempered man. Let's follow him into chapter 29. Proverbs 29, and the verse is 22. Listen to the hot-tempered man. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgressions. In other words, when I don't have control over my anger, my attitude, I'm hurting myself and not just others. Right? I'm not hurting others alone, but rather I am destroying my own relationship with the Lord. Cain said, I'm going to James chapter 1, Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? Why are you angry, Cain? God asked him that in Genesis chapter 4 as well. Why are you angry? If you do what's right, can you not hold your countenance up? And the answer is, of course. But he didn't do what was right. And what did he do? He blamed others. And he lost control of his anger. James 1.19. I love this formula. This you know, my beloved brethren. What do I know, God? This is what we know. If you're quick to hear and slow to speak, you're probably going to be slow to anger, right? Right? Be quick to hear. Hear with the understanding, right? All right, let me try to understand what exactly they're trying to say. And then, instead of defending myself, let me be slow to speak. Things seem to work out better that way. Even anger becomes a little bit easier to be controlled when we practice those things. And then when we recognize and remember in verse 20 that the anger of man, at that moment, there's no way that I can accomplish the righteousness of God. I can't achieve God's righteousness when I, when I look just inward at my own anger and not think about everybody else. Sometimes we lash out. I'm going to Matthew, please, chapter 12. Sometimes we say things that we later regret. You've got to remember that once it's out there, you can't take it back, right? We say things with, we later regret, and we just, we got to learn how to control even our speech. Just be careful, right? Especially in a relationship, you know, in a marriage, um, you know, do you always have to win, right? I mean, that's what I think, right? Oh, I've got to win this argument. Do you really have to always win the argument? We don't have to always win, church. We ought to think about how we can bless people rather than how we can hurt them. In Matthew 12 and verse 36, the text says, And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for in it in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Have you ever been the skunk? I, I have. I've, I've been the skunk before. And here's what, here's what skunks have to learn. This is what I learned about Self, you got to learn when and how to spray. <laughs> you just, you, you have to, sometimes you don't even have to. You don't even have to spray. I'm going back to Genesis chapter 18 just to grab a principal thought uh, there. Don't spray everybody. You know, let me give you an example. So someone, you know, for some reason you're upset and you have an attitude. Do you have to be mad at everybody? <laughs> right? You ever been the skunk? You're mad at everyone, and, and it was, they had nothing to do with it. The innocent get hurt. And I love this, this context. And, you know, God is talking to Abraham, and, and they're having this conversation. And Abraham is, you know, kind of thinking in his mind, okay, they're bad people and have done really bad things. And, okay, you're going to destroy it. But, God, I just have a question for you. Beginning at verse 22. 
And the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Will thou indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And we know sometimes the righteous are injured because of the sins of the world. We know that. But listen to the text. Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will thou indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from thee to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? So the Lord said, if I find in it in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place on their account. Be like God. Uh, Don't slay the righteous or the innocent with the wicked. Don't spray everybody. Just kind of deal with the situation on a smaller scale if possible. It's the idea that the more that I create as far as problems are concerned, the more that I have to make right. So how about keep it small, right? Less to deal with later. So what kind of attitude then should we think about as, as when we find ourselves or as Philippians 4, or as I find myself sometimes being that, being that skunk, find a, a harmless and less destructive way to solve your problems, right? And practice whatever is spiritually acceptable. It's kind of like, uh, you know, skunks can also be a nuisance. They'll get in your garbage and mess all kinds of stuff up. But that's not acceptable, right? What is, what is acceptable? I think Philippians 4.8 is not just let your mind dwell on these things, but it's also an action and a lifestyle to live. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things or act in this way. Be this kind of person, a person that is, is, is honorable or, or keeps things honorable, a person that is right and tries to do things right and pure and all these wonderful things. Try to be this kind of person. Galatians chapter 5, remind yourself often of the, spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be like God, and so I want to practice these things. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control and against such things. God, God is pleased. There is no law. God is pleased with this kind of attitude. And instead of spraying folks with anger, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. How, how about spraying them with love? <laughs> that, you know, Jesus kind of said that. He said something like, love your enemies. How about doing that instead? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in a triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Notice it's to both people, both, both a friend and a foe, those who are lost and those who are saved. Maybe even my friend or even my enemy, but a fragrant aroma is what we ought to be. To the one an aroma from death to death and to the other 
an aroma from life to life. And, and who's adequate for these things? For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak Christ in the sight of God. We, we ought to, we got to be those kinds of people. In Ephesians chapter 5, to be like Jesus, to be the opposite of a skunk, if you will, by way of personality, to, to have control of ourselves. Sometimes, sometimes I have a stinky attitude. Gain control of that. Right? Own it. Take control of it. Make things right. And try to do as the least amount of harm is possible when your attitude isn't right, if any at all. Right? Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us in offering a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma and win more flies with honey than vinegar, right? What if, what if every day... I tried to, to focus my mind on being a pleasant aroma of Christ to all who are around me. Which might mean that if the aroma is pleasant, more folks would want to be around me. Versus having that continual attitude of, of a skunk. And then waddle away as if you hurt no one. Skunks and turtles. Next week we'll look at well, look at turtles, a different way of handling situations in life. Maybe what's right and what's wrong with it. But tonight, the lesson is yours. And tonight, if, if you're uh, subject to the call of God, please come. And if we can help in any way, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.